Welcome back to episode four of Marathon. Oscar, how are you this week? Great. How about you? I'm doing okay. You know, yeah. not a very exciting summer, but a summer nonetheless. Period. <laughs> it's been um pretty hot here in Minnesota. So we've been really relishing the indoors, I would say, when we can have them. Um, this week, we watched a movie called Rendition. Mm -hmm. And it was a unique role for us yeah. because it is a supporting role for Meryl. Yep. Yeah, unlike... Unique role for Meryl, not for us. We weren't in this movie. <laughs> it was also unique for us on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I mean, because... Like, Heartburn, Postcards from the Edge, and Iron Lady, those are big blockbuster, um, really blusting the block out of, <laughs> for Meryl, you know what I mean? Like, she's, right, she's definitely leads in those movies. Yeah. And this one, she is decidedly not. Very not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. We watched this movie on Voodoo. So it's free if for, you yeah. want to watch it. If you want to watch it, with ads. And it was, yeah, it was incredibly different than the other ones. I mean, like we have said before, Heartburn and Postcards from the Edge are kind of similar. They have similar tone. Mm -hmm. Iron Lady was really different. This is even even yeah. more different. It's definitely a completely different genre. But, I don't know, how did you feel about this film overall? I thought it was okay. Yeah. I thought it was, it really captivated you. Captivated. I was invested. Mm -hmm. so, and I thought... Most of the story was good. Mm -hmm. The plot. Mm -hmm. How about you? Yeah, I completely agree. I do think it was definitely really, like, thrilling. I think I was mm -hmm. on the edge of my seat the whole time. And I I really, like, okay, the cast, first of all, is stunning, mm -hmm. right? The cast is, like, confusingly good. Like, yeah, like, for... both of us have never heard of this movie before. Never heard of this We're movie. We're looking up her filmography <laughs> for this podcast, obviously, and yeah. it popped up in, like... Should we watch this? Yeah, we wanted a supporting role. Just to see what happened. And yeah. it has this really stunning cast. We had no idea. Yeah. And this is a cast where, I mean, yeah, I just, this cast is insane at, for the time period, too. So this movie came out in 2007, which is, like, the year after Jake Gyllenhaal is nominated for an Oscar for Brokeback Mountain. And, like, a few years after, Reese gets the Walk the Line Oscar. Mm -hmm. And it's like... This is right in between The Devil Wears Prada and Mamma Mia from Meryl Streep. Mm -hmm. Right in between those years. So it is like, everyone's like... It's not like they fa they caught Jake Gyllenhaal or they caught Reese Witherspoon right before they're about to break, break big. Like, right. no, this is them at their movie starriest, mm -hmm. right? Um, so they and, they... and then Alan Arkin is also in this movie and Peter Sarsgaard who you might know from the popular um, Architectural Digest video showing off Liv Tyler's New York apartment, which Oscar and I have obsessed over. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a crazy cast. And this director, like, I don't think he directed anything before. Like, I think this is de his, his debut. I mean, it definitely wasn't a big one by any means. It, it was his first Hollywood feature, 
rendition. So it's just, it's, it's really surprising. I think that they got such an amazing cast. But I also can kind of understand it because this is a movie that wants you to feel something, right? For sure. For it wants sure. you to have an opinion, right? Sure. It wants it's it's a persuasive film, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've actually just by chance seen Gavin Hood, who's the director. Um, his one of his other films, I think it came out in like 2015, I want to say, just called Eye in the Sky. Um, which has Helen Mirren and Alan Rickman and, like, the kid the guy from Baking Bad. Um, Baking Bad? Not Baking Bad. <laughs> I know I wanna, Breaking Bad. I want to make, like, a kind of Nailed It-style reality TV show about <laughs> baking called Baking Bad, where it's just people who are really bad at baking. So, uh, um, so yeah, Aaron Paul... And Barkat Abdi, hi, Minnesotan, nominated for Captain Phillips. Um, anyways, so it's very similar. Um, Eye in the Sky is about, like, uh, drone attacks. And it's very similar where it's a very tense situation based on a true story of kind of showing the dark side of these controversial practices from um, American and, in that case, British governments right um so yeah i guess overall i thought it was really good i also liked how they like focused on people there it was kind of it's kind of ridiculous because they don't ever say what country they're in they just say north africa and so then let, never let's, specify. let's talk about the plot so yeah. we know but some I, context I, I guess i just liked how they they didn't just focus on like the american side of things they right. also have focused on like what was actually happening on yeah, the ground a good deal that lived there Right. Like honestly, like Meryl Streep was barely in this movie. She like, was barely in this movie. Barely. How much? You know who how, how much screen time do you think Alan she had? Alan Arkin was in this movie less. Literally. He had like so, and three he minutes of screen time. So, and he's on the poster time. next to her, so that's kind of fake. How um, many? How many? How much screen time do you think Meryl had? Like, ten I'm, minutes? I'm, oh, less? I'm, less I'm, than I'm ten gonna, minutes? I'm gonna say six. Six minutes. Literally six minutes of screen six time. Minutes. Six minutes in the screen time, I would guess. If there's 122 minutes in the movie, I would say six minutes is fair. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about the plot. So, just so we kind of ground this in Meryl-based and analysis, right? Mm-hmm. Meryl is basically the head of the CIA, yeah. or at least a Very head high of up. the CIA, and yeah. The head of this mission. mission. Yeah. Right. And her name's Corinne, I believe. Um, yeah, Corinne Whitman. And girl, does she have an accent? We were not expecting an accent. No, we were chilling out. It, it didn't. Home. It didn't even like Devil Wears Prada and like Bridges of Madison County and like most movies where she has an accent. I feel like you can still tell it's her voice, but for some reason in this film, I could not tell it was her voice at all. She like does the Bradley Cooper in a Star Is Born thing where she like trained her voice to lower an octave. <laughs> like it's literally so low in this movie, mm-hmm. right? And she's like. Well, I just think that that's not a good idea. Yeah, she she has a southern accent. Not super strong. No, it's only some places. And I just, I'm not entirely sure why. Like, why? She's it like, doesn't, girl, I have to It doesn't to add anything to the minutes. plot. Yeah, she's like, she does, period. She knows it. Of course she Get does. Get the Oscar for <laughs> Well, this is like the, like what, Judy Dench or whatever got the best supporting actress nomination for Shakespeare in Love and I think she has literally 15 minutes of screen time. Like, it's, like, it's dumb. It's been dumb before. I got I hope it's Judy Dench in that movie. I don't remember. Um, okay, so, 
basically, Jake Gyllenhaal, who I would say is a, the lead. Would you say he's the lead? Yeah, prob- I would probably. Say he's lead. I mean, it's an ensemble film, for sure. For sure. But I would say he is... There's, a, there's a lot, a lot of characters. Right. Like, hard to keep track of characters. Yes. But he's, I would say he's um, the main one. So basically, he's an analyst, right, in quote unquote North Africa, and it never says I, why. I just don't know why they they didn't just say a North African country. It would have, like, yeah. why not? And they multiple times throughout the rest of the movie, they say like, oh, he's Egyptian. He's an Egyptian national, and so we're kind of like, okay, so is it Egypt? Like, you literally never know, and it's mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous that they don't mm-hmm. say because it makes no sense why they don't say. Anyways, so um. He's in North Africa. He's an analyst. Um, he's like very young, obviously. Here we like checked just, when he was twenty six. Yeah, like just got out of college. Yeah, um, and he's like an economy major at Yale or something. Like he's pretty, you know, highfalutin. And he is about to meet up with one of their like allies in this North African country. Um, and he's with a senior CIA officer, right? Mm-hmm. In this car, they go to this square to meet this guy for tea, it gets bombed, right? It's a suicide bomb. Yep. Um, and a extremist terrorist group takes responsibility for it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of like the impetus for the entire movie, yep. I would say. And then it follows a bunch of people, right, Oscar? Mm-hmm. It follows the guy they're about to meet. That's their ally. Yep. He follows. They follow his daughter. Yep. They follow the daughter's boyfriend. Yep. All kinds of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so do you want to talk a little bit about, like, who's the kind of, I would say, victim? Or, I, you know, like, what is this kind yeah. of, who is this all kind of revolving around? So this is all kind of revolving around um, an Egyptian-born man, Anwar El Ibrahimi. 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 Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, so he's a chemical engineer. Yeah. And he's su- suspected of playing a part in this bombing. Mm-hmm. And he's Reese Witherspoon's husband. Mm-hmm. Okay, I hate to say it, but Reese Witherspoon's character is not needed in this film. Like, it doesn't add, like, a whole lot. It's. I kind of hate to say it, but it is kind of, like, just, like... <laughs> this is, like, a woke take, I'm aware. But I also think it's kind of legit that, like, they're kind of like, oh, this guy's suffering isn't legitimate unless there's, like, a white woman to, like, cry over him in D.C. <laughs> and be like, ah, my husband. Like, I feel like, like, there's a part in the movie where he's like, I graduated from NYU. I, you know, I coach my kids' soccer team and like, all this stuff. All the stuff that's, like, trying to legitimate him as an American. Like, he is not a citizen. He's a the, the, the Egyptian. Yes, the Egyptian man, Anwar. And he's like, I have a wife and all this stuff. And I do feel like, I don't know. They, like, they're trying to use Reese to, like, make mm-hmm. him more legitimate somehow. And, like, yeah. safe, kind of seeming. And, like, oh, he couldn't be a terrorist because he's married to Reese Witherspoon. Which, yeah. it worked for me. Because I'm like, he couldn't be a terrorist. He's married to Reese Witherspoon. But anyway, so he just is getting done with a conference in South Africa, right? When this happens. Right. This terrorist so attack. he's trying to get home on his plane. He gets a call. He gets a call. From an unknown number. Unknown number. And... Mm-hmm. What does he do with that? He says, like, he tries to answer it, but mm-hmm. it's out of range. Mm-hmm. And then he calls Reese with a spoon and is like, did you have to try to call me? And she's like, no. So, yeah, he's just like, okay. It happens, mm-hmm. it happens all the time, right? So he tries to get home, and then in the airport, he's intercepted by some 
TSA agents. Yeah, what scene is to be TSA? Right, but then they, like, kidnap him, basically, and it's the CIA captures him. Who, you want to tell us who we meet, then what actor? J.K. Simmons, right? Yeah. J.K. Simmons, who is in this less than Meryl. Literally. Like, two minutes. I'm like, what? (laughs) This one I can almost excuse, because I think this was after he had done, like, the Spider-Man movies, the Tobey Maguire ones, you know? Mm -hmm. But before he had done, like, Whiplash and gotten his Oscar and stuff. So it's a little, like, okay. But it's still J.K. Simmons, like, completely nonchalantly in this movie. Like, not at all. Um, So, basically, the CIA, because he got a call... From the number that was connected to the guy who who did the suicide bombing, is suspecting him of uh, helping these terrorist groups uh, make bombs, basically because he's a chemical engineer. Um, so they capture him, mm-hmm. and they bring him to the North African country's mm-hmm. CIA equivalent. Mm-hmm. And with um, the guy they were about to meet for tea is. Yeah is, like, kind of in charge of the mission there. Um, oh, yeah, Abbasi Fawal is the guy's name. He's the liaison to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And uh, they straight-up torture him. Yeah, it gets really rough. Gets... They strip him down first, which is already crossing the line. It just gets worse from there. They yeah. Solitary confinement in, like, as big as the closet we're recording this <laughs> in. <laughs> Literally. Um, waterboarding, right? Yep. Electric shock, completely naked. Yep. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal chokes him, straight up. Yep. Gets hit. Because they keep asking him, who has called you and mm-hmm. what's, what information do you have? And he's like, I don't have any information because he doesn't have any information. Yeah. I mean, I... We don't, we don't know what yeah, happens, but... The, the thing is, the, the film does leave it in, ambiguous mm-hmm. because I think in the end they're trying to say that these tactics aren't okay no matter what he's done. But, um... I at least came away from it feeling like he was innocent. I, so anyways, so, um, we should make it clear, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is, like, the VP, kind of, of the CIA mission, um, here, and then the guy who's sitting next to, in the car, about to go meet this guy, dies in the explosion. So he has to take over the mission, and he is obviously not prepared. Not experienced at all. He is stressed. He literally comes in to the CIA office with blood all over his shirt, the guy's blood that was next to him, and he's, like, tweaking, right? Mm -hmm. And he, like, kind of goes off the deep end and is, like, drinking and, like, smoking and all this stuff because he, like, obviously cannot handle it. Especially the torture parts, which, like, doesn't make him a great person because he did choke this guy. Um, but he also... He ends up being a good guy in the end, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, so, should we talk about um, males, when male characters come in? Yeah, so she comes in... I mean, I think it's actually... Like, if you're going to use Meryl Streep... You may as well use her in this way, where she is just, like, untouchable, right? Like, she's right. totally untouchable in every way. So, so basically, Reese Witherspoon, who plays uh, Isabella, I think? Yeah. Isabella, who's Anwar's wife, who's also pregnant. Um, basically, well, he disappeared, right? He didn't mm-hmm. land in Chicago like he was supposed to um, from his flight from South Africa. And so she's, like, freaking out, of course. And the CIA deleted his flight records. So it's South Africa says he left, and DC says that he never landed for his connection. But then she finds these credit card bills that say he bought stuff, like, 
in the duty free in the on the airplane. So she's like, I know he was on this airplane. Anyways, she doesn't know what to do. You're, I mean, he he disappeared, right? Like he literally, she's called him so many times, no answer. It's really weird. She goes to um her old college friend, and I think that it's implied that they were like dating. dating yeah. yeah, uh Peter Sarsgaard, um who works for uh senator played mm-hmm. by Alan Arkin, um in D.C. and basically he tries to for her figure out what the heck's going on and also kind of tries to take down this process of rendition which is what the title of the movie is is basically this thing that was sanctioned by the u.s government after 9-11 um where suspected terrorists can be taken without um any type of trial to and extradited to a foreign country and put in a foreign jail and presumably be tortured um but that's like like, the CIA doesn't say that they torture people, you know, yeah. in this movie or in real life. And Mary, that's kind of Meryl's role in this. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't deny. torture people. Deny, deny, deny. Right. And then she's just like, just do it. She's, she's so like, ruthless. She's, yeah. I mean, and I guess there is one speech that, like, she gets, what, one big monologue in this movie. And it's yeah. about, it's to Peter Sarsgaard who comes up to her at a gala, which mm-hmm. is frowned upon. Um, because he's tried calling her office a bunch and all this stuff, and yep. she's just like, like he at one point he tries calling her office, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they're like, okay, yeah, what can I? What do you want to talk about? And then he's like, Anwar Al Ibrahimi, and then she's like, oh, they're not available. She's not mm-hmm. available. And he's yeah, like, she's okay. like, she's like, I don't know that name. She literally is lying. Yeah, and she lies so well mm-hmm. in this movie. She's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that name. Even to his wife, mm-hmm. who is like. You know, she's, like, pretty much as vulnerable as you can be. She's Reese Witherspoon, and she's, like, nine months pregnant, literally about to pop. And she's in her office, like, please, please, please help my husband. She's like, I'm not familiar with that name. She's so evil in this movie. She's mm-hmm. straight up, she's more evil in this movie than, like, The Devil Wears Prada, yeah. for sure. Because you don't see any vulnerability. Into the Woods, for sure. Uh-huh. Like, this is the most devilish I've ever seen her. Yeah. And I'm wondering if she got this role because of the Dev Wars Prada. I mean, they probably were filming this, like, right around when the Dev Wars Prada came out. Mm-hmm. But um, it could totally be because I think it's just, like, a really, really, really extreme version of Miranda Priestly. Not, like, not exactly like, yeah. but she's just really, really, really ruthless. And yeah. Re- she, like, Miranda Priestly didn't, like, want, like, people to be tortured, obviously, but... Right. <laughs> I mean, she, they're just, like, ruthless women at the top of their games, right? And I think it is a little bit of... They're also kind of playing on that mm-hmm. Iron man. Lady thing, too. Exactly, which is, I know, comes out later than this, which, you know, could have maybe contributed to her getting that role. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of implied before J.K. Simmons. So the movie kind of works up the ladder, too, to get to Meryl. Mm-hmm. It, they have the TSA agents who are actually CIA. And then before that, they had Jake Gyllenhaal, who's kind of an underling. And then they go to J.K. Simmons. And then he's like, okay, I'll call the boss. And it's Meryl Streep, which mm-hmm. is kind of a, you know, a surprise. Um, so, yeah, she is ruthless. And I guess her speech to Peter Sarsgaard, who's like, I wouldn't want this to leak to the press, mm-hmm. that this, you know, awful thing is happening to this guy who is a like, really good man, and an example of, like, the American spirit, you know, like, he's not, he's so obviously not a bad guy in this movie, um, and she basically says, like, 
well, you know how many people live in central London? A thousand people live in central London. And if we hadn't gotten information in this exact same way, rendition, a week ago, all those people would be dead. And she said, so you can choose one life or you can choose a thousand lives. Mm -hmm. And then she goes, and I have grandkids in London. And, I mean, she kills it, of course. But she's so, like, dedicated to the system. You know what I mean? That she just, she's straight Mm -hmm. by the books. Mm -hmm. Power player, for sure. Um... So, yeah, I mean, there are a few other scenes. There's a few scenes of Meryl at home, actually, mm-hmm. um, where she kind of has, like, staff in the background, like yep. maids and, mm-hmm. so, and stuff. It's kind of weird. And she's answering the phone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and But she's kind of just like, do it, do it. Like, honest, <laughs> honestly, probably there's more scenes at our house than there is anywhere else, which is... Yeah, I think so. Is, is there any scenes, like, in her office? Could... There might be one. And then there's, she has what? I think she has like five or six scenes only in this. Yeah, tops for sure. Um, there's one scene with Alan Arkin, mm-hmm. where she's like, "Hey, you need to get your boy, Peter Sarsgaard." Yeah, there's so she's introduced first when she's in bed with her husband, and she gets a call that this terrorist attack happens. So. Yeah, um, and she has no scenes with Jake Gyllenhaal. She has a phone call with Jake Gyllenhaal. She has a phone call with Jake Gyllenhaal. But not on she camera. She does have a scene with, Ma- with Reese. With Reese. We were excited about because of yep. Big Little Lies. Yes. Obviously, her and Reese worked together on Big Little Lies season two, which we may or may not be talking about on this podcast later. Period. Um, that scene's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mer- so, Reese is like in D.C. breaking her back mm-hmm. to try to get on water, back mm-hmm. home, and Peter Sarsgaard does as much as he can, but I think Alan Arkin's character, the senator, kind of implies that if he pushes any farther, he might lose his job, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's, I don't know, he doesn't, he's not really willing to risk his job over mm-hmm. this, um, so the receptionist comes through, the receptionist for his office, the senator's office, comes through and tells Reese that Meryl will be at their office at like 11 Mm a.m. And so Reese confronts her and says, this is my husband's name. You know where he is. You have him. And Meryl, I mean, she breaks down, right? Like she has to get, Meryl calls security on her Mm -hmm. and Meryl is just like stone cold. Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with that name. I'm not familiar with that name. Like it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah, I mean, we're kind of skipping the subplot, which is, um, Abbasi Fawal, which is the CIA liaison, Mm -hmm. has a daughter, Fatima, who he, he doesn't talk to very much. She's gone missing, right? Mm -hmm. He, he thought she was staying with her aunt and she runs away with the boy, Khalid, that she loves, Right. And the whole time this movie, right, you're kind of following their relationship. It's all foreign language. It's all in Arabic. Mm-hmm. Um, following their relationship, you find out that Khalid is part of this extremist terrorist group. Um, you later find out that his brother died um, for this terrorist group. Um, and then eventually, in what was, I would say, the most confusing part of the movie, but also, like, I like that it was kind of, like, like it kind of like it did something different you know what i mean um basically you realize that that whole part was a flashback Mm -hmm. those that whole leading up to the bomb yeah their entire relationship because um khalid is the one who 
mm-hmm. commits the suicide bombing, and Fatima sees him about to do it, and tries to stop him, and uh, they both die, presumably. Um, and then Abbasi Fawal, who's the CIA liaison this whole time, has been like trying to track them down. She's been missing for six days, and oh, this colleague guy has her, and all this stuff, and then he finally realizes what happened and kind of like breaks down him and his wife um and i don't know i again it was kind of confusing because you're like wait what like the time jump thing of it all but i honestly like i don't know i just thought it, again it, it's the same way with this eye in the sky movie that i watched i think that a lot of american movies can put it in just an american lens where you're like okay we're gonna care about like what meryl streep's character is doing but she's not the one who's like, lives are being changed, exactly. right? It's these people. So I thought that was actually I, I really cool. I think it's really cool how they have it in foreign language, not just, like, yeah. English. Like, they're going to speak this foreign language in this yeah. North African country. No, for sure. I think that a lot of, like... I think, I mean, this is a small budget studio. It's not It's not a big movie. It's not a blockbuster. Um, it's, if it, like, literally made its budget of $27 million, um at the box office. But I think that it... I mean, when our dad was watching it, he's like, is this a like an American movie or is this like a foreign movie mm-hmm. and I'm not again I really like that yeah it felt like really authentic to me and like organic to me um so basically Jake Gyllenhaal's character right this mm-hmm. Douglas guy I guess kind of realizes the error of his ways when um Anwar finally quote-unquote confesses right and says right. all this stuff what do you remember what he all said he basically said that he did receive a phone call mm-hmm. about, and then he received money mm-hmm. to make some bombs, mm-hmm. $40,000, mm-hmm. and the North African CIA guy mm-hmm. was like, give me names. Mm-hmm. So he made up some names. Mm-hmm. Gives them a list of names. Give, yeah, gives it up, and Jake John Hall looks the names up later, and they're all made up. Mm-hmm. Well, he thinks they're made up, yeah. He thinks they're made up. And um, then he's also like, this guy makes two hundred thousand dollars. There's a year. no reason he would risk his life. Yeah. For forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And then right, he googles the names mm-hmm. and he comes back, and Anwar. So he grew up in Egypt until he was like fourteen, and then he mm-hmm. lived the rest of his life in the U.S. Um, and he was on a soccer team when he was still in Egypt, and it's the name of his soccer teammates. Like it's that yeah. that was the moment when I mean the whole time I was like, really of course like disgusted and revolted by like what they were doing to him regardless of what they they have we didn't make it clear they they have like no evidence that no evidence no evidence they They have phone calls right they have phone calls they have no evidence that they they mentioned this in the movie like they could have totally handed the phone off to him Mm -hmm. alan arkin says that and it's kind of disturbing because alan arkin says it he's like yeah they could have passed it on to someone else the guy who committed the suicide bombing and they could use a different phone to try to why did the entire cia and not then, think of that i'm like and but then alan arkin doesn't do anything about it it's 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 a lot of people who like are definitely turning the other cheek um mm-hmm. but yeah this is the moment when you're like at least to me again it's ambiguous because they're like, oh, well, he could just be a really good liar and all this stuff. And Reese could have never known. Because, of course, she's surprised when they tell her, oh, your husband's a terrorist. But, um, yeah, I mean, he they have nothing on it. Absolutely nothing. And they've done a lot. I mean, it, it seems like in this sh- scene where they shock him, like, they are, he's near death. It, it, that's what it seemed like to me. Like, it, there's blood. Mm-hmm. Every, it's really, he can it's barely really, walk. It's really bad. It's 
like really hard to watch. I thought they they basically told powerful. them they basically told them if you don't tell us you're gonna die. That's what it, I mean. It's one of the most memorable but most absolutely disturbing parts is when this Abasi guy basically says, "You think anyone's gonna remember you after you die? You think anyone's mm-hmm. gonna your wife's gonna remarry, and mm-hmm. your son's gonna call a different person dad?" Mm-hmm. And then he shocks him again, and this mm-hmm. is when he finally like fake confesses. And it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's super disturbing. Um, so basically, Jake Gyllenhaal says, enough, right? And he's like, we gotta get you out of here. And he basically convinces, like, the head of the CIA liaison, like, the ministry, minister of interior or something of this North African country to release Anwar Mm -hmm. to the U.S. Um, And the guy, the big Abbasi guy is not there. He's not there, and it's it's a it's a thrilling moment because yeah, because the Abbasi guy is is on his way there, or he he's, he's, he's looking for his daughter. He's looking for his daughter, but it's not really clear. Everything's kind of muddled. Yeah, it's it's this is Shot, like the point yeah. when the flashback thing. So you're like, yeah. where are we? Yeah, it's very like it's the climax for sure. Right. And it, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal is not breaking him out. Like he has clearance to do this, right, but, but the CIA doesn't know yet. Like the American right. CIA what he's doing. And the Abbasi guy doesn't know either, so he could they could both try yeah. to stop him. Yeah, and there's this moment where they he comes out of, so the jail was underground, he comes out and he can, like, barely see because it's so bright outside, and he's been in solitary confinement, for God's sake. And he comes out, and there's this barbed wire fence, mm-hmm. and there's a guy behind him that's like, Douglas, Douglas, Jake Gyllenhaal, and he's like, keep walking, keep walking, like, basically trying to break him out. He gets into mm-hmm. this boat who's that's going to take him to an airplane, mm-hmm. that's going to take him to someplace else, that's going to take him to Chicago. And he just, like, walks five feet away from him towards the boat. He gets a call from J.K. Simmons, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, do you have him? And, J- and Jake Gyllenhaal's like, no. Mm-hmm. So basically, J- it's presumed that Jake Gyllenhaal put his job on the line yeah. for this. Um, because, I mean, he just couldn't watch it anymore. It's... It's, I mean, I obviously like it's a good ending, and I, it would have mm-hmm. sucked if you like, had just gotten tortured more, but um, it is just, I mean, it is a little like, kind of, like I don't know, not great that like, the Abbasi guy, like, it was like this American guy who realized what was wrong, but I mean, it, the movie also has a bunch of Americans that don't care that this is wrong. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So. I guess it, it kind of balances out. Um, so yeah, we never know whether he's a terrorist or not. It's never but it's convinced. like, but I think the director said like it's we, it was intended to be open ended for you to decide whether it's ethical or not. For sure, because um, I guess the question is, like, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, is this ethical under any circumstance mm-hmm. ever? And for Meryl Streep, it is. And for, I would say the makers of this movie, they I I don't think it's a unbiased movie by any means. Right. I think that what it kind of does is the opposite of the Iron Lady, where mm-hmm. it actually has a strong opinion about something, and where sometimes that's not great, like sometimes it can feel like mm-hmm. propaganda or whatever. I do think in this movie, it's mm-hmm. like really fired up about this one specific mm-hmm. thing, and its depictions of torture and its depictions of just the mm-hmm. injustice of it all really are strong should we talk about it it was actually based on a true story yeah well that's it's just well let's talk about the end of the movie okay so basically anwar was told not to contact anyone until he got to the u.s by jake Hall, and um basically he shows up unannounced to his house where his um wife and new child she gave birth um and older child and his mom also lives with them 
And he, I mean, what I, I liked about this ending is it is a happy ending. He hugs mm-hmm. his family and he's. And we need to talk about for Meryl Street. Yeah, and so he hugs his family and he's happy, but mm-hmm. you can tell he's. I mean, physically, he's limping. He's mm-hmm. like super gaunt mm-hmm. and just like a shell of a person. And then mentally, mm-hmm. it's like this person's never going to be the same, ever, right. ever. And his family will never be the same. So it's not it's not a perfect ending, right? Mm-hmm. I would say the the happiest part is Meryl Streep's part, which you can take away. Right. So Meryl Streep, it's like at her house again. Yeah. And she's looking at the papers, Jake newspapers. Jake called the Washington Post. Yeah, he killed the, called the Washington Post about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And she sees, like, CIA, like, torturing, like, American mm-hmm. and stuff, all the other stuff. And Meryl's like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. And she gets a phone call, and then you can just tell that. She's about to get all this phone call and all this criticism. And it's going to be bad, and she's going to get what she deserves, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, they actually never say that this is based on a true story, but it's very easy to see with just a little bit of Googling mm-hmm. that it is. So, um, it was actually a German and Lebanese citizen, so it was not an American, but um, Khalid El-Masri, who was um, <laughs> mistaken for... Like, it's, like, one difference, right? It was, like, Khalid El-Mazra or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a one-letter difference in his name. And he was... It's basically what happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's taken to, like, Afghanistan, and it, they do really, really awful things to him, right? Um, Like, it just... I mean, awful things. You can read the, the Wikipedia page if you want to. Um, But it, this happened, like, in the movie for what? I mean, a few weeks at most, two weeks maybe, uh, yeah, not, not a week maybe, and in real life this happened like five months, mm-hmm. and I mean, he like got compensation for it, it was revealed, but still it's, I mean, you can tell that the, the, the makers of this movie watched watch the story happen or read it happening and and decided that they needed to like do something about it, um, so yeah, I mean, this guy was like completely innocent. They literally had just messed up one letter of his name. And they thought it was a different guy. I mean, it's just absolutely unconscionable. Anyways, so, yeah, that's the movie rendition. Mm-hmm. It's not really about Meryl Streep, the movie, it turns out. But I think, I, I really do like that um, Meryl Streep, I don't think this is like a typecast role for her at all. Oh, the no. accent, I do think she added in for a little flavor. I don't think the accent was, like, on the... No, the I, word, I like, literally think that was Meryl Streep, like, girl, I need something to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I do think, like, she's America's sweetheart, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of like Tom Hanks. I mean, it's a little less so. She's not as sweetheart as Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. but it is, like, kind of Tom Hanks playing, like, the big bad. And also, like, Tom Hanks being, like, the American government is wrong <laughs> and shouldn't mm-hmm. do this. Um, and That's why I'm guessing why all these... Celebrities took those roles to, like, yeah. take a stance. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that's the only thing that makes sense. Because they cannot have made a lot of money. Uh, I mean, our parents who were, like, obviously we weren't going to watch this movie when it came out. But our parents could have been. They didn't. They had no idea this movie came out. Um, so they weren't doing it for fame. It doesn't seem like. It does seem like it, it really is for a good cause. Um, and I like that. I mean, it, it's like an angry movie. And mm-hmm. sometimes, like, those are, like, at least in this case, it seems like it's really warranted. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that's the movie rendition.
All right, Oscar, so it's segment time. So every week on the podcast, we rank all the movies that we've seen so far for this podcast specifically. Not in entire life. <laughs> so my first favorite movie, <laughs> Lady Bird, directed okay. by Greta Gerwig. Um, so uh, in order of when we watch them, Heartburn, Postcards from the Edge, Iron Lady, and now Rendition. Oscar, what's your ranking? Number one, Postcards from the Edge. I hate how you don't do from the bottom up. We need suspense. Okay, number four. Thank you. <laughs> the Iron Lady. Period. Number three, Rendition. Period. Staying number one and two. Mm-hmm. Two, Heartburn, and number mm-hmm. one, Postcards from the Edge. Absolutely. How about you? Oscar, we're so in sync. Our minds just, wow. Um, Telepathy. Anyway, so, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that... This kind of does. It doesn't really. It's not really trying to do what the Iron Lady is. It's not a biopic, mm-hmm. but the political stuff and the like mm-hmm. cold. Like woman. somehow, somehow I feel like this was more political than the Iron Lady, which is literally about a political. No, figure. completely, completely. I mean, like I said, I appreciate that it takes a stance. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that it. It's not trying to like, be wishy washy about something right. that's like obviously controversial, right? <laughs> which is Margaret Thatcher too. Um... I think it's hard to to rank it to compare it to Heartburn Postcards mm-hmm. from the Edge because it is really different. Right. But um, I, I I just think that Heartburn and Postcards from the Edge for me are just more my type of movies. Right. This it, movie yeah. we both are like this, after it finished we're like this was a bummer. Like <laughs> it was it, really not bummy not out. not as a movie but like just it was really depressing. It was really depressing, which like it should be. Like mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be like ha ha ha. Everything's fine. Like, it's it's trying to call attention to this awful thing right. in a way that people will go see because it has Jake Gyllenhaal and Reese Witherspoon in it. Um, but Heartburn and definitely Postcards from the Edge at the end, you're, like, really wow. happy. Well, and not even just, like, how it makes you feel, but there's just, like, oh, man. I just, I really think that Postcards from the Edge specifically for me just sticks with me. Like, mm-hmm. I know it will stick with me. There are some scenes from that movie that are just gonna, like, stick with me. Like, mm-hmm. Not even just, like, just I feel like that whole movie is going to be hard to beat for me because it does feel a little bit like they made it specifically for me. Like, it's just all the stuff that I love, which we talked about on the episode, but um, it's going to be hard to beat for me. But um, let's move on to our second segment, which we still kind of need to make a name for, I'm not going to lie. So, guys, send in suggestions. All our fans, we'd love to hear from you. Um... Especially if you're from North Africa, we want to give you a shout out on this episode. We hope that we did your region of the country justice. I wish mm-hmm. these filmmakers did it more justice by, I don't know, specifying the country. But, um, so yeah, Meryl Streep again is in this for maybe five scenes, and I think she does have a total of three costumes, four costumes. Um, yeah. not including her pajamas when she first wakes up and realizes that there's been a terrorist attack. Um, <laughs> but Oscar, why don't you talk about yours first? So mine is this, um, well, in this film, she really likes her blazers, right? Mm-hmm. And um, she does have bangs in this film, which oh, is kind of we need to discuss the bangs. a big deal. Oh my god, the so, bangs? Oh god. You guys can figure it out yourselves, but <laughs> we both think it's probably a wig, right? I think it has to be a wig. Because there's no way, like, if... Mama Mia was a year after this. There's no way she grew her hair that fast to and be it's that long. Also ugly. <laughs> like, like I think Meryl Streep's hair is beautiful, and it's like so. It's kind of it's not straight across bangs. They're like curled over on themselves, and they're not straight. Like they kind of go in a diagonal. Like it's kind of like a slight downward curve, um, and it just looks really like 
corny. I don't know. <laughs> it looks bad. And then her back of her hair is, like, flipped out. Like, it's only to her chin. Like, it's a bob, for sure. Yeah. And then, like, they flip out her hair, and it's just kind of a mess, girl. But her acting makes up for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to get to some bad wigs in Julie and Julia. And Amy Adams, they really dug a hole for Amy Adams in that movie, that she had to act her way out of that wig mess. And Meryl Streep has less of a hole, I would say, to dig yeah. herself out of than this one. Okay, so mine is this, it's just all white outfit. Yeah. It's a white blazer. And, yeah. It's kind of a stunning much, v-neck. Yeah. Lots and of v-neck. folds over. Very, honestly, modern looking. Yeah, I think you could wear that outfit today like a professional woman. Yeah, no, I would wear that. Her yeah. glasses, I think she brought from home. <laughs> they look like her glasses. They look like the glasses that Meryl Streep wears when she's, like, singing that Sondheim. Like, it's and, literally... Like, sitting in the Oscars, like, they totally just, She's like, like, okay, girl, I have to read another acceptance speech. Hold on. Child, <laughs> let me move my ugly bangs. <laughs> um, but she looks powerful. Mm-hmm. Can't deny it. She looks powerful always. Always, but especially in this. And this one, she's in her house, right? So it's yes. all kind of... it. I mean, it works. Her, her kitchen is very white. Mm-hmm. It all kind of blends in. It's a sense of coldness. You know what I mean? Right. That takes mm-hmm. over the screen. And power, for sure. Um, okay, so I... Um, would, I wanted to talk about... I just love when Meryl does glam. I think that that's mm-hmm. a common theme in my costumes that I pick out. Like, for when I had Iron Lady, I was like, dresses! Because um, I just love, like... Mm. When I think of Meryl, of course there's glamour. Like... Meryl Streep is a glamorous person, mm-hmm. but she's not she's the not, most glamorous right. actress. I, I don't think right. like, she's not Audrey Hepburn. She's not Grace Kelly, where she has this sense of, again, grace and elegance about everything that she does in mm-hmm. every movie. I think in a lot of movies, she's not afraid to get down and dirty. She's not afraid right. to wear a cop costume or a pair of overalls. Yeah, right? I don't. I don't think her her herself will consider herself glamorous. No, not at all. She's super down to earth. Right. Um. I don't know her personally, but I definitely know I think, she is. I think she definitely is. Um, and so, yeah, I just love when she kind of just goes glam. And also, she's just a beautiful person. Mm-hmm. And I just, wow, stunning. So in this one, this is our, the gala that we mentioned earlier that Peter Skarsgård come up, comes up to her. And this is when she gives her stunning monologue where she's like, 1,000 lives, mm-hmm. and I have kids, and I have grandkids in London. Um, so she's wearing an off-the-shoulder powder blue dress that kind of has a like it's kind of a wrap dress i would say mm-hmm. kind of more structured again a beautiful off the shoulder kind of showing off her decolletage um some beautiful white almost pearl looking earrings mm-hmm. and the hair is absolutely tragic and it's disgusting in a ponytail no i don't think that's a ponytail i think I it's think clipped it's to the back of her head no i remember it being a clip it's like literally they they like super glued the clip to the back of her neck so it's just like stuck they neck. stapled it to the back Literally. of her Literally. Oh, my God. It's so ugly. Why would they do that? And the wig and the bangage is just really awful. But the dress is stunning. So, kind of, they really tried to make up for it. This is blue colors paralleled later when um, Reese has her scene with her. Mm-hmm. And it's a very similar colored, kind of structured blazer. Mm-hmm. So, I like that they have light colors on her. Because mm-hmm. she looks icy the whole time. Don't you think she's just icy? icy? Mm-hmm. Um, the blue cold. and the white, the mm-hmm. ice, you know? Especially where, I mean, there's a big difference in just how the movie is shot and lit, it seems like, in the scenes in Northern Africa and mm-hmm. the scenes in D.C. 
like there's I, there, warm I think colors, there has to be colors. like a filter on the ones in northern africa yeah which least. i mean that's kind of what hollywood does right they I feel right. like they kind of make like every egyptian middle eastern movie look like dusty <laughs> like there's just <laughs> dust in the lens but also like it is a warmth i think kind of like just because that whole situation is hot like there's mm-hmm. stuff happening and in dc nothing's happening it seems like no one cares right that's my read on the movie Great um, analysis. thank you oscar think i think that clearly. rendition is a very often talked about movie and like film crosses and stuff <laughs> so just kind of pulling from that um okay great and so now it's time for everyone's favorite segment this week in meryl meryl still hasn't gotten off her lazy butt girl are we surprised people no. are having to do stuff for her Literally, she people are working to make her relevant, to keep her relevant. She's always relevant, but always relevant. Um, five hundred years from now, she'll still be relevant. Period. Period. I talked about in history. (laughs) Okay. Talked about in history books. Um, in a week that has had a lot of Harry Potter talk, (laughs) um, we're gonna talk about something completely different related to Harry Potter, which is that um, someone made a deep fake. Oscar, do you know what these deep fake things are? I do not. You do? Do you actually not know? I don't know. That's so weird that I know more about internet and technology than you. I'm, like, older than you. It's kind of weird. Um, so deepfakes, if you haven't heard, they, like, they take this, like, AI, this formula, mm. and they, it's, they happens a lot with actors, um, and they'll basically put someone else's face onto an actor, and it looks, like, stunningly realistic. This one, I think, is eh, but there's one that I've seen of, um, Bill Hader, on a talk show where he's doing like impressions of Tom Cruise and Seth Rogen and his face changes as he does the impressions and it's like spooky and a lot of people are really concerned because it could have implications in politics where they could basically create fake videos of politicians saying things that are not what they said and it could seem really convincing so anyways but this is also something that people do like for fun and like to troll people um so Someone made a Harry Potter deepfake that um, inserted Meryl Streep into the role of Dolores Umbridge. Oscar, have you seen a Harry Potter movie? No. Uh, I haven't either, but... Um, We're both not that into Harry Potter, so <laughs> no. sorry to all Harry Potter stands out there. I'm really sorry, y'all. Um, but I do know that Dolores Umbridge is, like, a evil person. Like, she's not good, I don't think. Mm. So, basically, she, they put her in there. A, a YouTuber... As art replaced Amelda Staunton by Be Gone. <laughs> Meryl Streep's coming in. Um, and she uh, is in a scene in this. And, you know, she's crushing it. Guess what? Who would have thought that Meryl Streep would crush something that she wasn't even intended to be in? But here's the other thing. They never could have gotten Meryl Streep for this role. Oh, absolutely I not. mean, they have a kind of a stunning cast. Like, Emma Thompson's in one movie. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, Helena Bonham Carter is in, like, one movie. As just, like, random people, I think. Like, professors. But you know who else is a random professor in a magic school? Octavia Spencer in season one of Wizards of Waverly Place. So I think, like, they'll get anyone these days, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. To be professors of magic. <laughs> Love. I think a lot of our fans are gonna love that throwback to was mm-hmm. season one. No, um, so yeah, again, not very exciting personally. But if you're into um Harry Potter and into Meryl Streep, this could be something cool. I think. Yeah. Like a nice overlap. Um, yeah, I put Meryl Streep in everything. 
period. Literally, things she wasn't in. I want to see her in everything. Deep fake every single Deep movie. Deep fake everything. Every single thing with Meryl Streep. I don't care. Everything. What would you... Number one, deep fake. You want to see Meryl Streep. Let's go right now. Shrek. <laughs> I want to see her in Shrek's about The way that I know that she could pull off an exact accent. I literally... No. Um, Shrek oh reboot. Meryl uh, Streep Shrek is Shrek. Shrek reboot. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so on that stunning note, um, that pretty much ranks up or wraps up. <laughs> And rank, and, and we did rank. That's true. Um, this episode rendition, yeah. a different one for us, but I was surprised by how much we were able to talk about this movie. I think that we actually liked it more than we expected. Um, for, sure. for sure. So definitely recommend if you are looking for a really tight, mm-hmm. you know, edge of your seat political thriller mm-hmm. that also makes you think. Makes you think. It has a great cast on Vudu for free with ads. Don't if if you're not looking for a feel good movie. Literally. Don't watch this movie. Feel bad movie? Here you go. We have the one for you. Um, (laughs) So, next week, uh, we want to let you know that we are going to be doing a marquee episode because it's going to be our fifth episode, Oscar. Can you believe it? Never would have thought. Fifth episode is a big deal, man. So, in celebration of that, we have two exciting things. A, we are doing, I would say, our first big movie. I mean, Post Gods from the Edge is a big movie in my heart. Um, but a movie that maybe people our age will actually have heard of. <laughs> and the first movie um, that we will have seen in theaters, mm-hmm. and we will the first movie we will have seen before, first rewatch for the podcast, mm-hmm. um, which is... Into the Woods. Into the Woods. Da, dun, da, dun, da, dun, da, dun. Um, yeah. Are we starting the 15-minute prologue now? Or, <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're watching Into the Woods, which is a movie that, spoiler alert, we both love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we were, like, one of the only musical stands that actually liked that movie. Um, so I'm excited to talk about our love for it. I'm also really excited to have a special guest. Very special guest. Which is our friend Tori Kanaki. Um, can't wait to have her on. We saw her with we saw it with her the first mm-hmm. time in theaters. Yeah. Um, so really special moment. And I'm super excited to have a, a special guest. I think people are tired of hearing our nasty voices. So I'm sure it'll be a nice break. So, yeah, that one, unfortunately, is not on anything. It doesn't go on Disney Plus for a while, I don't mm-hmm. think. So you might just have to rent that one. Um, but hopefully you'll watch along. It's a really fun movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, we will see you next week. Have a great week, everyone. And thanks for listening so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. Mr. Al Ibrahim should be brought back to the U.S. If he's guilty, try him. If not, let him go home. Mm-hmm. Honey, this is nasty business. There are upwards of 7,000 people in central London alive tonight because of information that we elicited just this way. So maybe you can put your head on your pillow, feel proud for saving one man or 7,000 perish, but I got grandkids in London, so I'm glad I'm doing this job. You're not. Unless your grandkid is Anwar El Ibrahim. Let me get a copy of the 9-11 Commission report over to your office in the morning. You sleep well now.